fighting for freedom every day. Broadcasting from the heartland of America, the next generation in conservative talk radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. It is the greatest day of the entire week. Another one ready to rock and roll. Another one in the books for sure. A pre-Friday celebration. It's time for you to carpe diem all over this place is what we say each and every day on the program. Welcome into it. And holy cow, man. Another day of making your face hurt just a little bit with how much is going on in the world. We'll get to all that and so much more. Welcome into it. It is a Thursday. It is the 29th of February. It is leap year, so happy fourth birthday to everybody out there with a leap year birthday. (laughs) So uh, there's a good friend of mine that I had that actually does have a birthday that's on leap year day on the 29th. So I think he's officially like seven years old this year. I think so. So happy birthday to you if you are on a leap year birthday. Do you celebrate it on the 28th or on March 1st usually through the other three years? in between the cycle there or do you just not celebrate your birthday i don't have a birthday this year i'm always curious on how that works welcome into it this is the voice reason i am andy hoosier broadcasting out of the heart of the nation in wichita kansas on a flagship radio station here all over the country multiple radio stations tv live streaming podcasting however you watch or listen to the show so wonderful to have you along for the ride. Drew Thomas Allen, he'll be joining us at the bottom of the hour. He was at CPAC last week, so we'll get the update from the Conservative Political Action Conference, see what the feel was on the ground there, so to speak. We'll pick his brain on some of the other current events that are going on because there are quite a few of them that we'll get to. First and foremost, though, before we get into the political issue of the day, thoughts and prayers obviously out to everyone with the major fires going on in the Texas Panhandle. In fact, uh, you're, you could possibly even listen to this program down there as we do have a radio station out in that area in your neck of the woods in that Panhandle of Texas, Oklahoma, south, uh, southwestern Kansas. So we do have some stations down there. And thoughts and prayers to you as you continue to battle. Apparently, the acreage that this fire has covered is comparable to the size of Rhode Island. Now, put that into perspective a few different ways. Number one, that's a lot of land to be burning when it covers an entire state's size. And number two, that shows how big the state of Texas is to be able to handle that. And that's only in the little panhandle of the state of Texas. But I know that the state of Texas had declared a state of emergency. I know that the state of Oklahoma has declared a state of emergency, and I know Kansas is probably preparing for the same as well as it works its way upward. It's wild to me to think that we had, at least I thought, in the region that I'm at, maybe it could be different, obviously, in other places, but I thought that we got a decent amount of moisture over the summer that we or over the wintertime where we're not as bad off on the drought conditions as what we were. Following some of those drought conditions, we were getting better. We had some decent heavy rains throughout the wintertime. We had some snow for the first time. In fact, like November in Kansas, we saw more snow than we've seen in like 50 years in the state of Kansas where I'm from. So uh, I thought that drought was actually getting better. But the fact that we're already starting to see crazy wildfires like this and it's not even summertime, we're still at the end of February, makes me just a little bit concerned what the summer could look like. So hold on, strap in and buckle up, man. I'm telling you, it's going to be a wild ride for 2024 as we anticipated at the end of last year. 2024 is going to look to 2023 and say, hold my beer. So we get to prepare for that one. But uh, thoughts and prayers to everybody down in Texas and that area in that panhandle trying to battle these major fires with cattle being lost, with farms being lost, with residential areas being lost, businesses being lost. It's a devastating time. So hopefully we can get these under control and actually maybe have a very wet spring, which we're anticipated to do so. I know we're supposed to get more moisture this year than what we have been, at least in the 
Mid-America region. For all the other stations that are not in this area, uh, hopefully you're not having to deal with this garbage as well. But it is sad to see what's happening all over. So hopefully, uh, maybe, just maybe, I'm always the eternal optimist that we can find a way to actually unite, rally around each other, and actually help each other out. Doesn't help when you had the mainstream media coming out with quote-unquote experts telling us that the Mid-America region, the flyover nation, rural communities, the white rural communities are like the most evil, hateful, racist people on the face of the earth. Uh, which makes people in the cities not want to contribute to the recovery of ranches in Texas during a wildfire. But, you know, thanks for the division, pal. We really appreciate what you're doing. So uh, there it is. Thoughts and prayers to you guys. All right. We have a lot to talk about for sure. There is the continuing resolution that was voted on today that extends that for another week or two. We have Joe Biden down at the southern border. We'll get to all that. But... What's trending today? Before we do, I I saw a story that I have to read. I I have to read this one because this just puts the icing on the cake for the ridiculousness of 2024. And this is my generation. Again, the millennial generation. I apologize for my generation as often as I can because outside of us on this side trying to bring rationale and reason to the generation and trying to not give us a bad reputation there are a lot of them or at least the outspoken verbal ones that are giving the millennials a bad reputation the ones that are advocating for the student loan debt uh, cancellation the ones that advocate for socialism in fact my generation at like a 60 40 ratio according to stats that show that my generation wants socialism over capitalism they hate working they're the they're the ones that created the avocado latte for crying out loud My generation has just a few screws loose, and while it's not all our fault, thanks older generation for screwing us up, we have to take responsibility for this action. And now that we're starting to grow up, I mean, the majority of us are now in our 30s, which means according to whatever survey, they say that by the age of 30, we finally consider ourselves an adult, finally looking at coming out of the the basement of our parents, finally looking out into the sunlight, (sighs) looking out in the sun like the vampires that we are from our parents' basement coming out to look at what the real world actually looks like, considering ourselves an adult for the very first time, considering buying a home, traveling the world, or starting a family. We're the generation that started the participation trophy. We're the ones that started having our parents not just be helicopter parents, but what they call snowplow parents, because they not only just hover over us to protect us, but they're the ones that allow our parents to actually go out, go forth, trailblaze our trail for us, take care of our job for us, and even started what now Gen Z is doing, which is allowing their parents to come and sit in at their uh, job interviews to do the interview with them because they have no other experience and no other uh, references at the job. So they have to have their mommy and daddy with them to take care of it as well. My generation started all that. Well, I take that back. My generation is the first generation that experienced that because of the older generation. Again, thanks, jerks. But (laughs) nonetheless, there is a study, and this is just the icing on the cake of the ridiculousness of how the world works. This is a headline from TheGuardian.com. Imagine if you will. Here's the headline. Millennials are on course to become the richest generation in history. Now, oh. I know. Is that true? I, I would like to think no. I would like to think that that's not the case. But let me just read part of this for you. Do you know where they're getting this? Now, remember, this is the generation that, again, is spending the $4 every single day at Starbucks but complains that they can't afford their student loans. This is the generation advocating for the student loan debt cancellation programs because how dare that we sign up for a loan and then we don't want to pay it back. Again, I'm generalizing here. I'm part of that millennial generation. I don't buy into that garbage. There are a lot of generation, a lot of 
uh, those of my generation that don't as well. So bear with me. I'm not trying to generalize. I am, however, trying to make a point that that is the common assumption of what my generation stands for. The AOCs that are in the world that aren't the brightest ones out there. I am told this is a garbage disposal. <laughs> yeah, my generation that doesn't like to work with their hands, that wants to go to college and then expects to walk out of college and make $100,000 plus a year and just pay off their loan like that or just to have it forgiven so that way you have more expendable cash to go on world trips and not get married or not start a family and just do whatever you want to do and buy that avocado latte. What the hell's wrong with you, man? <laughs> Yeah, the frivolous spending generation could become the richest generation in history. And do you want to know how it's going to be done? Inheritance. According to TheGuardian.com, those born between 1981 and the year 2000 are in line for a seismic windfall over the next 20 years. According to research done by real estate agent Knight Frank, thanks to the property assessments uh, uh, accumulated by the generations before them, while the distribution of wealth may be shifting between world regions, an even bigger shift is happening, this according to the article, between generations. The switch will see $90 trillion, or roughly 71 trillion euros of assets, move between generations in the United States alone, quote, making affluent millennials the richest generation in history. Large, uh, that's according to their 18th annual world report. The research shows that 75% of millennials expect their wealth to increase in 2024. 53% of baby boomer generation sees their wealth increase. And 56% of Gen Z, along with 69% in the younger Gen Z as well. The generation that is the frivolous spenders, my generation, and I'm saying that again in a general assumption, is on track to inherit some of the biggest wealth done from generations past that were some of the hardest working. The baby boomers, the uh, uh, whatever generations are above us, those guys that worked hard, some of them, like my parents' generation, they like to party hard as well, but they also worked very hard. The generation before them, my grandparents, the hardest generation, the hardest working generation that was out there, that all of you have accumulated all of this wealth. It was all about the material. It was about, all about the white picket fence. It was all about sticking your nose to the grind, not taking vacations, working as much as you can, having a retirement plan, setting it for, setting yourselves up for victory. And now you're on the track to retire. Now you're on the track to passing away. And that generational wealth is now going to my generation. The ones that are the frivolous spenders, that aren't planning for their retirement, that aren't wanting to work for somebody else, the ones that think that they can get an arts degree and just wonder why they're still in their parents' basement because no one's buying their art at $100,000 a painting, unless you're Hunter Biden, by the way. The ones that just haven't figured out what life's all about and don't consider yourselves an adult until the age of 30, we are set. The ones that could have their entire student loans erased are on track to be the richest generations in history, where all of that wealth that was worked so hard for is going to be sent to us. And I have to say that I am slightly intrigued and slightly worried about this because if we don't know how to handle our expenses now, how the hell are we going to do it when we get all of this accumulated wealth as an inheritance? Now, I'm not expecting a whole lot of inheritance myself, but nonetheless, uh, watching others accept all of this, the ones that are not financially responsible, do you think that they're going to invest in some kind of Roth IRA? Do you think they're going to invest in some type of retirement plan? Do you think that they're going to invest it in starting a business? This could be devastating for the economy. Because if the generation that doesn't want to, in general, in general, generalizations here, 
the generation that doesn't want to invest in some of this stuff, that wants to see some type of socialist business. If you remember, like the subway, the sub shop that was in California, that was like, we don't have an owner, we don't have a leader, we just decide to open when we want to open, we decide to close when we want to close, we decide to schedule ourselves to work when we want to schedule ourselves to work, and then we really don't set prices for things, we just do it based on donations. And you see how well that worked to close like three months later. Because it couldn't be structured. That generation is about to see a massive amount of wealth. And what the hell are they going to spend it on? They're going to spend it on frivolous things, which could make the economy look decent for a short amount of time as they just spend it on expendable stuff. But at the end of the day, it's not investing long term in the nation. It's not creating long-term investments by expanding the nation, by expanding the economy, by opening new businesses, by creating more corporations. Because my generation overall, according to the vocal opposition in my generation, despises corporations. They don't like business. They don't like capitalism. They're going to give it away. They're going to be frivolous with it. They're going to be wasteful with it. And it's an entire generation of previous generations working so hard to build themselves up for success and making this nation as great as it's ever been. The next generation is going to come in, consume all that wealth, and poof, it's going to be gone. And this is another step of us having to hit the reset button in this nation and having to start building from scratch again. Because i got to be honest, with the leaders at least that are in my generation, the AOCs and the Ilhan Omars and all these other wackadoodles out there, they're not the best example of what this nation's going to look forward to if we go down their road for the future and their leadership. I'm a little worried. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. I gotta say, I really hope that my generation, while we could see some of the largest inheritances, we see the wealthiest generation in history with the consumption of all the previous generations, their hard work. We have been through a lot. I will give our generation credit. My generation has gone through a lot as we were growing up between the housing bust that happened in the early 2000s and COVID-19 and some of the other major issues that we've seen. Obviously, we've gone through it, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping that my generation, when they do end up collecting all this wealth, that we do so in a responsible way and prepare ourselves for whatever crash may be coming because of our own policies that we're advocating for. Oh, that's great. That's good stuff. Makes my brain hurt a little bit. In the Washington, D.C. side of things, as we talk about the economy... What's trending today? So we had the House of Representatives today pass a continuing resolution. 99 individuals, mostly Republicans, uh, voting against this one. But it ended up passing 322.99 overall. As we extend our current spending levels for another week, week and a half or so, where they say they are very close to passing the majority of the appropriations bills and actually getting a federal budget on hand. Now, I am curious to see whether Ukrainian funding is included into this continuing resolution. I don't know, but I'm assuming it probably is because that's what Democrats want. So that's probably what happened. As according to Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, they said the Senate could vote as soon as tonight, saying, quote, this will require all of us working together. He said there's certainly no reason that this should take very long. So let's cooperate and get it done quickly. Get her done. Pass it. Don't even look and see what's in it. Pass it to see what's in it. Got to do it in that fast and furious manner. According to the congressional leaders, they say they are looking forward to the 12 annual spending bills that they plan on voting on by the end of next week. 
They say the one-week extension was necessary to allow the appropriations committees, quote, adequate time to execute their deal in principle and give lawmakers time to review the package text. I, you have teased me for way too long. The foreplay has gone on for way too long here, and I don't know that I can deal with it any longer. I really don't think that we're going to see the appropriation bills pass as needed. When they first started coming out by the end of the year, if you remember November, December, they had some decent ones. We had passed six or eight of them, and some of them had some pretty decent cuts in them. But, of course, Democrats said it was dead on arrival. And Joe Biden said it was dead on arrival. So we've, I'm sure we've tweaked them, we've manipulated them between both the House and the Senate because the Senate didn't even like what came out of the House. That was majoritively Republicans that ended up passing those bills. And if that's the case, what do these appropriation bills actually look like? And I, you can look at it two ways. You could say, number one, yeah, we got rid of all those nice cuts that we were looking forward to that could have helped, not solved, but helped the problem with the spending cuts at the federal level. Or you could look at it in a positive manner and say, well, at least we have a federal budget because we haven't had a proper federal budget with the 12 appropriation bills since before the Obama administration during the Bush administration. So we really haven't had a proper federal budget. And I guess maybe that's the first step. And if that's the first step that we're proud of, then that's a pathetic first step to have, but it's a first step nonetheless. I was like, hey, we did our job. The one job that Congress is supposed to have, passing the federal budget, and we actually did it for the first time in 20 years. If that's what we're proud of, then cool, I guess. But I would like to see some actual substantial changes. Uh, But we did pass this continuing resolution. Some Republicans are not very happy about that because it is kicking the can down the road, which it is, but we're kicking the can down the road for another week or two And then we'll see what this appropriations process may look like. But I'm not optimistic about the appropriations plan. Honestly, I'm not. I'm not optimistic about something getting done substantially. I'm not optimistic about us actually doing something that's going to affect our budget and see the number get smaller. Because while they may talk a good talk and they say that we're getting this funded, listen to the rhetoric. If we hear Republicans say we're actually getting spending cuts. And if they talk about the numbers going down, then it's worth looking at. But if the rhetoric coming out of D.C. from both either Republicans and Democrats is coming out as we invested in this project, which we really needed to do, we addressed this issue, which we really needed to do, we're going to take care of this issue, which we really wanted to do, then you know it's just more spending. And that's more than likely what's going to happen. Or we won't agree on the appropriations process. We'll do another omnibus or continuing resolution after that when we're already halfway through the federal budget. So we'll wait and see, but I'm not getting my hopes up. I'm not getting excited again. It's not going to happen. Stay here for The Voice of Reason. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason meets radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. Lots to, t- lots to talk about, lots to cover, for sure, on a pre-Friday celebration. Always a pleasure to have you hanging out with us here. By the way, if you have not signed up, we are coming up to the end of the month, which means another newsletter around the corner. Become a Hoosier-holic. You can go to the website at HoosierReason.com. Sign up, become the latest Hoosier-holic. You'll get your newsletter. We do it and send it out the first Monday of every single month. So sign up now, HoosierReason.com, H-O-O-S-E-R Reason. You can also find us on our social media at the same handle, at Hoosier Reason as well. So we have the continuing resolution that was passed out of the House, 320 to 99. The Senate will be voting on it later tonight. More than likely, it will pass. It is a two-week resolution to allow them to finish passing the six 
of the 12 appropriations bills, which I'm not optimistic that they're even going to pass at all. And if they do, they will look nothing like the optimistic ones that we saw back in like November of last year when Mike Johnson first took hold of the speakership. So we'll see what happens as Democrats continue to try and strong arm Republicans. And we saw a glimmer of hope, just a glimmer of hope of Republicans saying that they're going to stand firm and actually fight against this stuff. And I see that dwindling away right now, unfortunately. So uh, we'll do that. Plus, we also have Joe Biden down at the southern border. So much to get to and to talk about. And we'll do that with our latest here with our guests. What's trending today? As he is host of the Drew Allen Show podcast and some more goodies coming up here soon. Also author of the book America's Last Stand. Will you vote to save or destroy America in 2024? Happy to have back on the program, Drew Allen. Drew, what's going on, brother? How are you? Hey, it's good to be with you. You know, it's one of those days. It feels like it's a Thursday, but it's such a been such a long week. It feels like tomorrow should be the weekend, but I'm a little disappointed because it's actually Friday. Yeah, well, it's because of that 29th of February. So happy fourth birthday to anybody that actually has a birthday on leap year. But uh, yeah, it's it's a weird day for sure. And with so much happening this week, we saw Mitch McConnell step down yesterday, or at least say that he's not going to run for the leadership again in the Senate next year. Whether he stays in office, it sounds like he's probably going to. But we have that. We have budgets. We have immigration. Like It's hard to keep up with some of this stuff today. Oh, yeah, it's just, it's nonstop. There's a lot of consequential stuff. Look, I mean, you got the, the, the Hunter Biden deposition stuff going on. I mean, yeah. there's so many things in the news. I mean, you, you can't even get to it all. And it's all happening happening uh, simultaneously. So, yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you. It's a lot to digest. Yeah, well, let's talk about some of this for a second. Let's talk about yesterday's Mitch McConnell announcement. Uh, I know everybody was saying, why now? And why doesn't he just step away and let leadership take hold right now? I honestly think this is a good thing for Mitch McConnell because he gave the Republican Party a gift. If we recognize the fact that we could, and it's very likely that Republicans win the Senate uh, in this election this year, if we focus our attentions the right way, we have a president like Donald Trump that comes back into office, we take the House, we could have a vote for a leader that's actually very pro-MAGA friendly, is, is really Mitch McConnell was the last MAGA quote-unquote holdout that fought against Trump when he was in the administration. We would have Mike Johnson as a speaker. We would have a more conservative uh, Senate majority leader at that time with a Donald Trump. We might actually get something done. And I think that could encourage people to show up and actually vote and flip a couple of these seats. I think Mitch McConnell did the smart thing yesterday. Yeah, look, I mean, it, it, you know, for a lot of people out there that are obviously disappointed with uh, conservatives or Republicans that we elect and establish in the back, you know, you know, Kevin McCarthy went, that made a lot of people happy. Uh, you know, now you've got Mitch McConnell stepping down. You know, the only thing with Mitch McConnell here uh, is that, you know, he's going to stay in there until until November, though. So, you know, there, there was there was rumors. I haven't been able to validate this. I mean, I think they're more than rumors. I think, you know, it's like somebody in the you know back here. I can't name them said this, but I think it's probably there's a little bit of validity to it. Apparently, I mean, you know, Mitch McConnell is so bad and so unpopular, uh, even within the Republican Senate right now, I think that supposedly they, they were, you know, there, there was going to be like a mutiny. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, he, he's he's a he's a smart, calculating politician. So actually, he's allowed himself to retain power until until November for another nine months or so, you know, so pretty smart move also. Yeah, it is a smart move, although I would like to see a little bit tougher negotiations. I mean, we don't need Mr. Turtle out there that, uh, you know, has a freeze right in the middle of a conversation. So I am a bit worried about that. But if we can just limp through this year, then we will be hopefully in a better situation thereafter, which leads us to the vote that we're seeing tonight in the Senate with this continuing resolution. Uh, earlier, we saw the House pass it by a 320 to 99 vote. That is a two week continuation where they hope to vote on these appropriation bills. 
I, I said it before, Drew, I want to get your take on this. Don't get me excited again because I want to see some real changes with our federal budget. And I'm conflicted on saying, well, the appropriations bills probably won't be the original nice cuts that we saw when they originally passed the House back in November and December. At the same time, if we actually pass them, it would be the first time that we've passed them since like the Barack Obama administration. So I guess six and one half dozen in the other, right? Yeah, look, this continuing resolution stuff is garbage. I mean, look, our federal government is holding us hostage uh, every single year using these types of tactics. And they're evading responsibility. And they're, of course, uh, you know, one of the great lies out there. I mean, there are many lies right, told by our government. One of the great lies is that, you know, we can't have a government shutdown, that that's just the end of the world. We can't survive it. And in fact, I mean, I, we would be better off if we just shut the government down, uh, you know, in perpetuity if we had to, until they actually secured the border and did all these things that they're actually constitutionally required to do. I mean, I'm so tired of this. I mean, we are so far in debt. Uh, they keep racking up these deficits. And every single time, I mean, the, the thing is, they know what they're doing. It's not like they were trying so hard to get something done and fix they, they weren't they knew they were going to use a continuing resolution you know i mean they, they always do this yeah yeah they always do this and then we're going to eventually see the omnibus package to just you know pass it for the rest of the year i mean we're already six months into the federal budget so i don't know what passing a federal budget now is going to do unless we're setting it up and maybe maybe just working ahead for next year i don't know but you're right it's it's frustrating to see this and we continue to go off the cliff and we continue to make our finances worse and I guess it's good news that we're finally getting to a vote of an actual appropriations bill. I just I don't know what we're going to see in it. And while we saw some cuts in the original bills from the House back in earlier last year, uh, the Senate already said it was going to be dead on arrival with Democrat control. So even if we do pass it, I don't know how it's going to change anything. Well, yeah. And, I, you know, the other thing to point out is, you know, you've got these 12 committees you know, and they're supposed to be responsible for passing the different budgets. And, of course, when you talk about the omnibus, it's when they jam them all together and shove them down our throat and say we're going to pass them all together instead of individually. But, I mean, think about it, how irresponsible these people are. I mean, if you sat on any company and you're responsible for a budget, you know, you, you couldn't operate this way in a private sector. But the government, they sit there and they do this every single time. And you, 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 you are in Congress. You know, it is your job to pass a budget. You're on these committees to do that. And then they just say, ah, nah, we're just going to, you know, kick can down the road. We'll just do them all together so you can't see what's in them. Instead of giving you, you know, 200 pages at a time, uh, we're going to give you, you know, 20,000. Yeah. Yeah, it is ridiculous. Speaking of money, I read this at the beginning of the program. I don't know if you heard it or not, but I got to get your take. You're a millennial. I'm a millennial. We're kind of the screwed up generation. I apologize for our generation on a daily basis on this program because of how messed up at least the reputation is that our generation has. But according to The Guardian, with the the boomers and some of the older generations that are beginning to pass away, that millennials are on track to be the richest generation in history, with more than $90 trillion in assets being inherited from the older generations of all the work that they've done, of all the businesses that they've built, of all the hard work that they've done, coming to our generation that buys avocado lattes and $4 Starbucks drinks uh, and travels the world, doesn't invest, doesn't start businesses. Is this detrimental to our future of our economy if it's not going to be reinvested appropriately? Or uh, why is the most irresponsible generation about ready to inherit the most amount of money? This scares me a little bit. 
No, no, everyone should be terrified by that. And in fact, I did not know that. As soon as you started telling me in the very beginning, I, my, like, I, I was scared. You know, I was starting to, to, to feel a little bit, bit of panic because, you know, these generations built that wealth. And obviously, that's what have provided jobs and everything else. I mean, we're already the most coddled generation in, in mankind's history. Uh, we're lazy. We're not productive. We're not particularly innovative in many ways. And, uh, and so now we have uh, – we're inheriting all this money. So, yeah, I mean, look – Part of the problem with America, if you look at it this way, I mean, we have squandered our inheritance, which is the Constitution, these rights, unalienable rights. I mean, we have people who don't appreciate it, and that's why we're in this uh, uh, problem right now is because, you know, all these people sacrificed to give us, you know, the United States of America, and we're just sitting here watching it burn to the ground. And in many cases, a lot of people our age are supporting that. So, yeah, now we're going to get all this money inherited to us. I mean, yeah, it's not going to be reinvested. It'll just be squandered. Or, you know, maybe they'll, maybe they'll you know, keep supporting Democrats and say, why don't you just take it all from us? Yeah, well, that's Tax the thing. It. I mean, they're the ones that, that support the death tax. So they're the ones that are about to inherit all this money. And yet all, a lot of it's going to go to the government because they support the death tax and this inheritance tax and everything else. It's wild to me. I, I, I mean, we started or we didn't start it. We're the first ones to receive it. You know, the participation trophy. We're the ones pushing for student loan debt cancellation. We want all of this stuff handed to us. And now all of a sudden not working for it when we get our arts degree and expect a $200,000 income a year that we're supposed to all of a sudden get all of this mass amounts of money and do something smart with it. I'm I'm concerned about that because this could be the reset button for the nation that we've been preparing for with the generation that just wastes this money all away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's an uphill battle for sure. I mean, but, you know, it's interesting you point at that story because, you know, that, that, that actually has wide-ranging consequences and repercussions potentially for the country but that's one of those things that i've never even thought about you know but but here that here here on top of everything else we talk about it's like oh man they, they, these are troubling times you have this and you think oh my gosh the millennials with you know let, let's hope <laughs> let's hope they do something smart with it we're talking with drew allen drew thomas allen show uh you can also see his check out his book america's last stand let's take a break when we come back I want to shift gears. Joe Biden's down at the border today, and Border Patrol had some not-so-nice things to say about him. They're a little upset with the ongoing immigration debate. And a federal judge has come out and said that Texas making it illegal to cross the border illegally is illegal to actually enforce. Say what? Yeah, so we'll get to all that and more coming up right around the corner here uh, on The Voice Reason for a Thursday. It's a wacky world out there, and my generation, our generation, getting this massive sums of money, we're not allowed to stop illegal immigration. It's a federal duty job, not a state's duty, and we're going to make sure it stays that way. Really? Really? We'll do that when we come back here right around the corner for the pre-Friday celebration. Stay right here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. What it says is that they are corrupted political actors who act in bad faith. The reason why people like Mark and people like Dahlia seem to have a crystal ball is because they're real, because they're realists, and they understand the court for what it is. And at some point, people in the media, people at home, and people sitting in the White House have to stop pretending that the Supreme Court is some kind of benign, trying-to-do-its-best institution and start to realize that there are six 
Republicans, not conservatives, Republicans on the Supreme Court who view it as their job to help the Republican Party. And until we do something about that, until we take away that power, until we draw the line on them there, they will continue to do this. They will help Trump. They will take away abortion rights. They will end affirmative action. They will liberalize gun rights. They will do all of it until we stop them. And somebody, somebody needs to start listening in the higher echelons of the Democratic Party because we will keep losing every day we allow these six republicans in robes to rule over all of us <laughs> oh that's awesome hey you might want to cover up your desperation show in just a little bit that audio from msnbc by the way i don't know who that was but a little fired up as they're angry that was regarding the supreme court saying that they will accept the to hear the case about trump's immunity on some of these uh, federal charges that he has going on and claiming that he has immunity, the presidential immunity, and the Supreme Court accepting to hear that and them getting a little angry because they were hoping to see him in jail by now. Why is Trump not behind bars? They're just Republicans in robes. They have their own Republican agenda. Good golly. Drew Allen, Drew Allen Show, and uh, author of the book America's Last Stand. Drew, man, I tell you what, they're getting a little feisty, aren't they? These people are so mentally ill. I mean, you know, Trump broke them, and now they're, like, breaking the third time. You know, I mean, I didn't know they could get any more broken, but there you have it. I mean, listen to those people. Those people ideologically, uh, as any kind of political party or, or powerful organization in this country, have to be wiped out. Um, you know, I mean, they, 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 I mean, there is no limit to their tyranny, right? They're upset because they had it all figured out, you know. I mean, they, they rigged everything they could. Uh, in terms of the courts and where they were doing this and the FBI and the DOJ, and they did everything they could. But, oh, my gosh, there's just a few people with principle left that are upholding the Constitution, and they're standing in our way, and so we have to get them out of here. They're evil, you know, unbelievable. The fascist tyrants that are taking control right now. Uh, real quickly, we've got just a couple minutes left here, but I want to go down to the southern border, obviously. Joe Biden uh, down there today. The Border Patrol Union essentially pulling a Will Smith. Keep you, uh, keep our name out of your mouth uh, is what, the sa- what they said to the Biden administration as they're down there. Doesn't sound like things are going too well with his tour on what's really happening at the border, is it? No, I'm shocked, aren't you? I mean, I can't believe it. These guys don't <clears throat> love Joe Biden. You know, I mean, the propagandist Karine Jean-Pierre, I have to note that she is a uh, black female lesbian. That's very important. Uh, but anyway, Karine Jean-Pierre, you know, she she's out there saying the opposite. So, I mean, I, just, what do they expect? You know, they send them down there to a different place in the border than Trump went to, obviously. But I've seen these side-by-sides now. Of, of Joe Biden walking like he's 116 years old. And, and, you know, and then I see Trump going and shaking. I mean, you couldn't, this is an amazing moment because the Democrats, well, Trump was brilliant going down there. I, I don't know which way it went. I don't know if Trump went because he knew Biden was going at the same time or if Biden was like, oh, Trump's going, I got to go. But regardless, I mean, we are in campaign season and you are saying, I mean, look, Trump, Trump, I'm not saying the, the Democrats are do, still doing everything they can to cheat and, you know, make sure that he's not elected, but. Nothing is looking good for the Democrats. Yeah. No, it's not. It's it's looking bad. And I, Joe Biden tried to pull the hole after the death that happened in Georgia from the girl, trying to pull it and say, well, if Republicans would have passed the immigration bill, then we wouldn't have had that situation. I totally could have fixed it and shut down the border. But I don't think that's resonating or I don't think people are buying that one. This is a failing issue on Joe Biden. He hasn't been to the border really his entire time in as the president over the past three years. Going now doesn't really do anything, I don't think. 
No, look, I mean, they're going to try and use as much propaganda as they can, but I mean, they just can't, they can't fight this. I mean, they, 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 these people, you have Mayorkas in interviews bragging about how, yeah, we eliminated, there's too many, you know, uh, um, border, you know, rules and regulations that we eliminated to even get into. I can't even list them all, Mayorkas says, you know, from the Trump administration. Yeah. And we have, you know, Biden on, on, on camera doing the same thing, so... Yeah, it's a complete mess. I love it. Drew, Drew Thomas Allen Show. You can find us Drew Allen Show Podcast. You can also find him uh, with some new stuff coming up. We didn't get a chance to plug. We're going to do that when you actually get things up and moving here. We'll get you back on and announce it. Author of the book, America's Last Stand. Drew, keep up the fight, brother. we got to get you back on soon. You too. Thanks, brother. Hey, always a pleasure. There it is. Love having Drew Thomas Allen on the show for sure. Back at it again tomorrow. What a world, man. What a world we live in. Campaign season's here. Everything they do will be for images and for the perspective that they actually care going into election to buy off your vote. I don't think it's going to work. We'll see you on the radio tomorrow for a Friday.